Let's go! The 4 o'clock football frenzy on Cofield and Company. All right, here we go. Rolling into the 4 o'clock hour. Battleborn Injury Lawyers, uh, Battleborn Broadcast Center. Their beautiful studio here. We'll be watching some basketball coming up, some hockey coming up, and uh, I'm watching the end of uh, yet another baseball loser. Man, the Rockies cannot beat the Giants. It doesn't matter what they set the price at. Not that the players know that, but uh, maybe they do. Um, but 7-1. 7-1, ninth inning. And uh, even San Francisco fans in that beautiful stadium are like, yeah, let's head out of here. Um, have you been watching any of the alternate We'll get the football here in a second. Have you been watching any of the alternate or new carriers of Major League Baseball? Apple. I got my Apple Plus subscription. Watching okay. games on there. I heard complaints about the announcing, um, but you know I got to look into it. It was a uh, was that guy Softy up in Seattle. Really, longtime radio host was bitching about the broadcast. But, oh, I thought you were but then, say he was on there. No, but then subtweeted like the announcers suck, but didn't say who they were. Well, isn't so, isn't Katie Nolan doing it? Yeah, and that's what I wanted to get into. Uh, what's her role on it? I don't know. I mean, I'm, I'm a big fan, okay. so I'm... I got to check that out because I watch YouTube today. I think Peacock has a game too, right on Sunday. Yeah. So oh, yeah. YouTube was doing the Reds and the Brewers, and I actually thought they did a good job. So, and they had they made sure to include the chat room the entire time, oh, okay. which I found fascinating because. Uh, so it's Scott Braun, who we've had on from uh, – he used to be with MLB Network. He might still be, but he was the lead. Um, Yonder Alonso was really good. Former hmm. major leaguer, was the color voice. And uh, I don't know if we can call her our friend, but you, you know someone who knows someone. Uh, Amy G was, on the, was sure. on the broadcast, of course, Paul Gutierrez, right? Raiders writer, uh, his wife. Um, I thought the presentation was good. I, I thought it was um, a little different than a traditional broadcast because they actually did reference – the comments often and they had on Corbin Burns for a really long interview like an entire inning and it was like a rock'em sock'em inning with a lot of runs and they were taking questions from the audience and I was almost going to type in a question and I'm like that's ah, kind of stupid why would I do that right <laughs> maybe there'll be a day where I get to interview Corbin Burns and you know and talk to him myself but um, I actually thought the broadcast was really good good I, I mean I, I think there's a lot of different different outlets that are entering into sports broadcasting for sure now problem with me i don't usually listen to sounds i've got like eight different streams going of different things i had and... no idea the game was on until i went to look up a piece of information on mlb.com and they had it out front and i was like oh i'll go to youtube and watch it on youtube it was interesting though the uh the there were probably only 12 15 consistent commenters and the the viewing numbers said at one point it was like forty-seven thousand people were watching so hmm. i'm sure they're gonna build that up yeah. i thought it was cool though yeah. Different way to get the game. I enjoy that. And and I like the in-game interviews. I mean, the I was watching the Justin Turner one the other day, which was kind of a mess. But uh, they're still figuring out a lot of the technology stuff. But, and uh, you never know what guys are going to say. You hear it in the background, which is fun. Oh. Uh, but you know, those, those things are cool additions uh, to broadcast, I think. So I saw a list from Field Yates about some recent signings around the NFL. Sony Michelle. Uh, 1.75 million base. Uh, Mike Davis, running back, who you know, I, I think both of us thought he was going to have a pretty good year with the Falcons. It didn't work out, but veteran running back. Ravens always seemed to need running backs for some reason, right? Injuries. Uh, he signed for even less. One year, 1.2 million. What's the Raiders' best path at linebacker and cornerback? Is it the cheap, cheap, cheap rate? Like, it worked out last year. They got some good plans. Denzel Perriman, 
And that was what a find, right? KJ Wright, well, you know, had some spots. Um, or do they make a run at James Bradbury? What do you think? To play corner, you said? Linebacker. I'm talking both positions. Yeah. They need a fortify. They need a they need a second corner in the mix who's either the two or the three, and they need linebackers. Yeah, I don't think there's any question. Now, so I, are there, would you rather see them go? I'm, I'm not trying to insult people, but I'm bargain basement where you just heard Sony Michelle and and Mike Davis are going for like a million dollars, you know, two million dollars. Are they going to do that or go after James Badbury? And before you even answer, I want to go back to what Mark Ross, who worked with the Giants for years, worked with the Eagles, is now an analyst on NFL Network. When we threw out James Bradbury's name to him for the Raiders, he didn't exactly freaking ring the bell for him. Yeah, you know, he'll, he's a solid number two, maybe number three at this point. Okay. I think the Giants kind of overpaid him. He got uh, that kind of got up. He did make the Pro Bowl with them, but if you really kind of watch him, I'm still in the area and I watch all the Giants games and kind of study him. You know, he's, he's he wasn't the fastest guy before, the most sticky kind of cover guy. He was more off a of guile and smarts, and he's kind of lost the step. So he's by by far not a number one, or I would even see kind of a playmaking two at this point in his career. I mean, that's an eight or ten million dollar guy. I saw. The Athletic was saying the Eagles, the Chiefs, the Raiders, the Bengals, Steelers could be potential landing spots. Obviously, there's the tie to former Giants DC, Patrick Graham with the Raiders. I just I wonder what they think of him and and what it's worth to him. Yeah, well, anyways, because because well, I no. gotta tell you, Twitter uh, and Raider blogosphere is like going crazy about this guy. But you know what? They did the same thing about Stephon Gilmore, and that never worked out. Yeah. Um, well, I think we'll know what they think of him by how much they pursue him and and how. You know, Patrick Graham will be the one that determines, I think, a lot of, hey, do we want to go get this guy or not? Because he is a system guy at this point. His last two years in, in you know, press man coverage have been atrocious. The numbers have been awful on Bradbury. Uh, but they don't, you know, they might not ask him to do that, but he's been in that system with Patrick Graham the last couple of years. So does Patrick Graham think he fits what, you know, what he wants to do defensively? Um, we'll find out. I mean, I think he, he does fit more Patrick Graham system than what the, the Giants are going to. Uh, and that's why the Giants are ready to move on. But I think he'd be a little bit better fit here, and they wouldn't put him in press man very often uh, and just let him play um, you know, where he's more comfortable. Uh, so we'll find out how that is. But I, I think in general, when you say what's the best path to finding some of these guys, I think it's a couple of things. I mean, there's going to be some more post-June 1st cuts. There's been some designated, but there'll be some more. Uh, there'll be training camp guys. I mean, you mentioned Denzel Perriman. That was a training camp trade last year. That was, hey, a team's going to cut him, or he doesn't fit necessarily with this, you know, what the Panthers have just signed him, but he doesn't really fit. Raiders needed a linebacker. Go trade for him. I think it's going to be kind of paying attention. And for those last couple guys on your roster in particular, uh, you are, you know, you're willing to find guys anywhere. And if, if a team does, if he doesn't fit under a cap for somebody or this doesn't fit a system for somebody, then you go out and find those guys and, and kind of add to your team. And you're always looking. I think that's the key for everything. 364-1100, Caller 7. Ticket window is open. Ari is manning. The uh, window, we got tickets to see the Steve Miller Band. It's coming up this weekend, 13th and the 14th. Steve Miller Band at the Venetian. You can grab your own tickets at Ticketmaster.com. It's an 8 o'clock show. Steve Miller Band in town, 13th and the 14th. Ari's got two tickets right now, 364-1100. Join the conversation on Twitter at ESPN Las Vegas. 
she allowed going out and getting the pieces that they felt they were capable of getting and that can help them win a championship and it failed but she ultimately signed off on it no more what she's ultimately saying is i'm in control i'm gonna do it the way i want to do it in the past it worked out for us one time but clearly it didn't work out a second time around and i'm taking control back now back to Cofield and Company at the Battleborn Broadcast Center on ESPN Las Vegas. There you go, Keyshawn Johnson from our National Morning Show, speaking for Jeannie Bus. Jeannie Bus just did a uh, big interview in the LA Times. We'll get into that in just a couple seconds. Uh, let's give away some more tickets: three six four eleven hundred, three six four one one zero zero. We've got tickets to see the Doobie Brothers. They're going to be here for a couple of weeks, but we've got tickets for the. Uh, the show coming up uh, in just a little bit. What is that on the 27th? Where's my details? Uh, Eight o'clock show, uh, 525. 525, Doobie Brothers, Zappos Theater, Planet Hollywood, Ticketmaster.com, which you can grab, uh, is where you can grab the tickets. Uh, the show is uh, 13th to the 28th. So the 525 show, 8 o'clock start, Planet Hollywood, Zappos Theater, Doobie Brothers. Caller 7, 364-1100-364-1100. Caleb Herring is in. He's on with us every Wednesday, former UNLV quarterback, football insider. Caleb, how you doing, buddy? Man, I'm doing good, Steve. I'm doing good. How are you doing? I'm good. I uh, I thought this Jeannie Buss interview was uh, pretty fascinating, and it's gotten a lot of reaction because of some of the things she said. So let's start out with uh, some of the, you know, the, the outstanding bullet points in this story. Uh, one, what do you think when an owner says, you know what, I'm growing impatient. We just had the fourth highest payroll in the league. Any problem with that? Uh, yeah, I, I think it's uh, that's equating one. It could be one or two things. It's, it's you're looking at this as only a business proposition. I think in, in her in her in the interview, she says um, when you spend that kind of money, you expect to make or to, to make it to the playoffs or be in a deep run in the playoffs or something like that. And essentially, either the business aspect of that says if I spend that kind of money, I expect a big return on my investment. Right. So that's the business side. Or you can say it's a side that says if I spend money, it should mean that good and that's not the case right like you could spend a lot of money in the wrong places which is what the lakers did um and give people money that maybe don't make your team good but kind of sound good on paper um and so i so i, I think that's kind of a disconnected way of looking at uh at least if you're talking about wanting to make a winning team it's a, a it's a very disconnected way of looking at the game of basketball to assume that making it to the playoffs has anything to do with how much money you spend i know there is a correlation but to make it so, uh, you know, black and white there, like if I spend money, we should be in the playoffs. That's never been the case. And uh, you look at the way that the playoffs are right now, and I know a couple of people have tweeted it out. The teams that are left remaining are teams that were constructed over time, not necessarily teams that went bankrupt going after big name superstars to kind of build super teams. Um, but, you know, these these teams that did it the right way, took their lumps, went the hard way and built up something that was cohesive and capable of winning on on the basketball court. And the fact that She's saying things like, if I spend money, win, um, let you know that there's a disconnect from what actually goes on uh, as far as constructing a basketball roster. And, and that's, to me, worrisome to, to, to equate money to winning that way. Well, this goes back 40 years. We just saw it in winning time, right? They had to make the playoffs just to stay afloat. Like, this is this is tradition from her dad. <laughs> I mean, I mean, there there, there is a, a definite investment and there's a there's a potential for a major loss. When you talk about the Los Angeles Lakers and what they put into the product, uh, and, and and that's not something that I take for granted. I mean, it's it's one of the longest standing shows in entertainment, right? The sports world is is shaped by what the Lakers do, so there's a lot of pressure to that. So 
um, you, you got to definitely put your money where your mouth is when you're talking about Showtime Lakers and, and trying to get back to that. Um, but th- that being said, um, is the goal to be Showtime? And I, I don't think that is the goal because there's a completely different situation back then, right? I think the Lakers, as 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 hard as it is to say, have sort of solidified themselves as a money-making team. It's it's kind of they're up there with the Cowboys at this point. They haven't gone on a drought quite as long as the Cowboys as far as winning on the field, um, but they're in they're burned into the American conscience where everybody's going to watch the Lakers regardless, whether it's to talk crap about them or to celebrate them. Right? There's it's they're they're um, what's the word? I'm mean, they're polarizing in the sports community. Um, so I think the Lakers will always will never be in the same situation as they were back then. But there is a definite cost to the brand that is the Lakers, and I think. Um, she's feeling the pressure of that in a way that she's never felt before. Um, so we'll see how it pans out. I, I don't right now like the trajectory. I don't like the options that they have before them, but I do think they have answers and they just got to be smart about their basketball decision. So it sounds like they have a four headed general manager uh, under Jeannie bus. It's LeBron, of course, the GM, uh, Phil Jackson, Magic Johnson, and Rich Paul. Like that four man GM crew. Uh, that is working under Genie, and what can go wrong? Yeah, and three of the names aren't even on the payroll officially of the Lakers, right? (laughs) Like, I mean, so you got a lot of influence um, from people that aren't necessarily employed, and that's, I mean, that's dangerous because there's no cohesive theme to what that looks like, to what what comes of that. You can have a a lot of advisors that have different opinions, and when those opinions have conflict, that's when a team kind of, shows the conflict right like when you go get russell westbrook to play alongside lebron james on paper yeah those names are future hall of famers it sounds great but then when you really think about basketball it's like those two things don't work together right it's like water and hot grease it doesn't work like you 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 just wouldn't put that together uh, if you're building a basketball team but that could be differing opinions coming together and saying we can make this work we'll figure it out we have great minds great basketball minds working together um, but like you saw, it didn't work out and you got a, a very poor version of Russell Westbrook. But I, I don't like the idea of having um, so many different voices to be a leader. And I think that's uh, that's one of the issues that the Lakers have, whether it's a question of does LeBron's voice carry too much weight as a player um, or do, do the voices in management just not have a general sense of basketball like they should? Um, and are they willing to let go of their pride to let someone like Magic Johnson who has some basketball knowledge. I don't know about general managing skills, but are they willing to let that voice be the the front runner and the president? Or, or is Rob Palinka going to be given all the power and support to just say, hey, we're going to give you this time. We're going to support your vision of the future 100%. We're going to let you make player personnel. Are they willing to do that and concede that? I don't know. I haven't seen it. I don't think, and from this interview, it doesn't sound like it's the case that she's going to concede any power to anybody else. It's it's she's going to fix it and she knows what's best because it's what her dad wanted. So um, that that's where they find themselves. And I, I think until they find a clear path forward um, under one voice and one vision, I don't think they're they're going to find their way out of this hole anytime soon. SoCal guy Caleb Herring is with us, former UNLV quarterback, one of the voices of UNLV football. All right, let's turn to a little football. I saw one of the dumbest videos uh, of the year on social media <laughs> and dumb for multiple reasons. One, I have no idea why the Dolphins would post. The video, too, the reaction to the video is so childish, infantile, and embarrassing, especially by former football players. It's Tua throwing a pass deep to Tyreek Hill. It's underthrown. He has to stop to catch the ball. Uh, can you explain 
how many balls are thrown in whatever, a practice, a mini camp by a quarterback. And if we put out a video of all of them, what that would look like? Uh, it would be very uh, <laughs> repetitive, especially you're talking about routes on air. You're not talking about seven on seven or anything like that. It's, it's literally a guy running a route versus no one. Um, so you, you just see a lot of, of <laughs> a lot of, uh, the repeated thing over and over and over again. And quarterbacks often get tired in this process of, of throwing balls over and over. But this is it, the video, first of all, was nothing. Um, yes, right. a little underthrown, but caught. Um, it wasn't like Tyreek Hill had to break his ankle to go back and get it. Um, it fair was, call, it was, yeah, it was, it was a fair, it was, a, it was like, you know, a, a very, I would say a very underthrown pass. In a situation where routes on air, you, you're just trying to complete passes. I'm not trying to say that the precision needs to be there. Mind you, this is one of a, a very few times, I'm assuming, just based on the situation, that Tua and Tyreek Hill have actually been on the field together throwing passes. And if you're going to pretend that any quarterback who's throwing to Tyreek Hill early in their relationship is going to be on the money as far as hitting him in stride downfield, you're crazy. Tyreek Hill has a different type of speed that you have to have adjustment time to. You have to get used to throwing deep balls to him, especially deep balls, because the ball, he he may be able to outrun the ball. I mean, th that's how fast this guy's speed is different, right? Um, we know Tua has difficulty throwing the ball down the field, and I understand that. I'm, I'm confused as to why the Dolphins felt the need to post this as some sort of teaser to what the season's going to bring, um, and not just post it. They edited the video. It was in slow motion. That ball was it slowed down in the air as if this was supposed to be like, magnify like this it, it just made things look terrible it almost made me feel like they were setting up an alibi for when things go bad like in during the season like if it doesn't work out you saw that pass from otas where we uh, we didn't know that remember that pass it was a wobbler i was underthrown to tyree kill yeah that's what that's now here's Tua on the field it's not going the way we planned so let's get rid of Tua. let's end that project now that's how to me how awkward it was um and there's things about Tua's mechanics and the way he, just the way he holds the ball that I think are kind of different that I think may have something to do with why he has trouble throwing it deep. But and one of the things I instantly notice is how many fingers he has on the laces. I don't know. It's a weird thing, but he has three fingers on the laces and only and the, the his index finger is right above the laces. So his the power of his throw is not behind the ball. It's kind of on the side of the ball. So he loses. I'm not sure how exactly uh, to quantify. He loses some power on his throws, maybe to not get it deep because his arm isn't completely behind the ball. That's just something that I noticed watching him that kind of in that video and in other videos of him throwing the ball. It just the way he holds the ball, he doesn't get all his power behind. But this it's just a, like you said, it's a silly video to put out. Um, I don't know why they put it out. I don't know if it's supposed to be some sort of hype video um, for the Dolphins off seasons. Um, the people are having a field day in the comments, as they do with everything on Twitter and social media. Um, but hopefully over the length of the offseason and in training camp and in the preseason, Tua and Tyreek Hill get a little bit uh, more on on rhythm and on pace with each other as far as taking deep shots. Because if that's what it's going to be, I mean, in game, that's an interception. I, you know, like that's that's what I think about it. That's picked off. Well, then you got you got to it of like, why would you post it? And I think the the concern that people would have would be if this is what you posted what are you not posting like if this is the best video you could find like how bad are the ones that you didn't post but i would also make the can comment you, can, can we all stop with the conspiracy theories someone made a mistake <laughs> no no no. it's what, God, I, what dang, i would what man. i would say is you are employing social media people that don't understand football and don't understand that wasn't a good throw yeah. it's and by the way like i 
you know, I know how I feel about them. This this is incredibly reminiscent, and I don't know how many people remember this, of when Stephon Diggs came to the Bills and they posted a video of a horrific throw from Josh Allen and like, let's get hyped. That, that season worked out pretty well for them. So I, I don't think people should con- should be concerned too much yet. Yeah, but, no, I, th- it, if it was just the one video, I wouldn't be concerned. But there's been other videos uh, in regard to two of this offseason that um, are, are very leading, I think, are trying to create a narrative that I don't think they – are fully capturing on video at least, right? Like there was a video, like uh, it was talking about what a difference a year makes and it's filming to a doing, you know, on air workouts with receivers. And you can see that the power and the strength of his arm has improved, or at least the snap at which the ball comes out of his hands has improved. They literally show like 2001 off season versus 2022 off season. And it's like, I mean, yeah, there's improvement, but are you saying he's arrived? And it's like, I don't know why you're releasing these kind of videos. Are you like, why are you trying? It, it's almost like you're overhyping the Tua train and you're setting yourself up for the potential of a disaster. I'm not saying that it will be a disaster. Like you said, it could be fine this season. Everything could work out perfect in Miami. But you got a new coach. You got new personnel. It's not like you're just, you know, p- plug and play. Guys, We have to see if it works. And the, the offseason hype that you're building behind Tua and I guess the resurgence of him as a great quarterback, um, it, it kind of lends itself as unnecessary. And I, I don't really like setting two up for this. You know, I we'll see, but I don't, I don't like the way this is setting up. Caleb Herring's with us. Caleb, I noticed that you saw the, uh, the same tweet that I saw about a transfer portal camp. Players who are in the transfer portal. And, we, you know, we mentioned the other side of the transfer portal. Everyone isn't Jordan Addison where there's a, a war to get him, the Pittsburgh wide receiver. There are hundreds uh, if not a thousand plus players who go in and they're like, wait a second, what just happened here? Now I have no offers. Uh, what do you think of a portal camp? I, it's an interesting idea. I, I, there's definitely a market for it. I'm interested to see, you know, kind of the motives behind it. Like, is there like an entry fee? Do you got to pay to get this service um, or whatever? Is it a free for the players type of thing? Like come out. How often do they hold these things? Because, you know, it's got to just be right around the deadlines for the transfer portal, I would assume. Um, but I think it's a good idea. Honestly, I think it, it, it helps both the player, like you said, in the situations where you're not a, 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 an, an easy name to identify with, right? Like your film maybe didn't speak for yourself, which a lot of the players who enter the transfer portal don't have game film. Um, and it's been maybe a couple of years since they were recruited or since they put out measurables or things like that. Um, and when you enter the transfer portal, you may be a completely different player than you were the last time, you know, you talked to a recruit from a school, right? Like maybe they remember you from when you were graduating high school, but that was two years ago. And you put on some pounds, you added some speed, you got some experience and things like that, that maybe you want to showcase to kind of remind people like, hey, this is who I can be. This is what I'm, I've am i been working on. I've improved and so on and so forth. So there is a, a market for it. I'll say it that way. And then, um, I, I think it's, it's valuable for both the players and the coaches who are looking to utilize the transfer portal to fill their rosters like UNLV was this offseason. Um, to get a better idea of what they're getting into and, and the player that they're going to be receiving uh, at this point in time when they enter the transfer portal. Caleb, you've been on the UNLV games for how long? Like five years, four years? It's been, I think, five or six. It's been okay, longer so than I you, remember, but it's been good. <laughs> so you put your time in. You put you, know, you put five, six years in. Are you mad that Tom Brady's going to get $375 million? Are you jealous? I'm livid. I'm yeah. livid. Um, I'm, no, I'm not. I'm not. I, understand, I understand that you know his voice is – uh, of all the voices in sports, he's probably the most sought-after voice to hear. Um, he's not the most uh, available guy as far as giving his two cents on issues, whether it be social or commentary on the game especially. 
Um, but there's a lot of wisdom, I think, that people want to get a peek at. His greatness is something that hasn't been achieved, especially in the sport of football yet. Um, so, yeah, people want to hear him and there's value in that. So I understand why paying him the big bucks obviously is 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 uh, is is worth it, although he has never done it before. And I, I am interested to see how his personality um, and his demeanor translate to broadcasting football games. I think Tony Romo surprised a lot of people um, and his charisma and his his, I guess, likability on the air um, is something that is not easy to capture. Right. It's not just knowing the game of football is not enough to captivate an audience uh, for two and a half hours or however long the game happens to be on air. So we'll see how that translates. But Fox has already obviously seen what they need to see and uh, understand his his name has enough gravity to to pull viewers to the to the television screen. So I'm, I'm glad he got it. Maybe maybe I'll, I'll, I'll act like some of the quarterbacks when when other quarterbacks get big pay and just use that to kind of reset the market. And I'll sure. be in talks with my agent to see if uh, if I can negotiate some 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 bigger deals in the future. Yes, Learfield. I'd like three hundred seventy-five thousand dollars. I mean, that's not three. Yeah, it's not thirty-seven million. Uh, three seventy-five for this year. Uh, Adam, do you hate it? Yes, I mean, I'm never against anybody getting paid. Like, I'm, I'm all for that. I don't like it from the standpoint of like we've never seen him do it. We don't know how he's going to be. And I think he's going to be awesome. Well, I, I think he's going to talk over everybody's head. But I, I mean, I, I think that's like he's going to be. He'll go on the air. I, I have no idea. You but think I was he's going to be. You think he's going to be like Romo? I think Romo does a great job of like being relatable and, and being part of it. I think Romo's great. Romo's one of the only broadcasters I actually like. But I, I, I can see Brady going on the air and just being like, well, you know, this, I mean, when the safety is here, he's like, he's like, I mean, how could he even miss the wolf, this guy? Come on. Like, and then people are going to be like, <laughs> no wait, way. what? What are you no talking way. about? No way. No. So, well, how so do we know? I, how do I, I know? No. It was. No. It was kind of the same thing with Peyton Manning. I think with the Monday night. There's times on the Monday, you know, when the, heat, the Manning brothers, when they kind of do it, where. Um, where there's some stuff that's over the head of the casual viewer. And I think it almost sometimes feels like a film session because yeah. that's that's how Peyton sees it, right? And I, I don't know that that's Tom Brady because I've seen Tom Brady, like let's say, for instance, on The Shop with LeBron James, where he's been very relatable and kind of cool to listen to talk. And it's like he has it in him, right? He's yeah. he's now on social media making jokes about, you know, the uh, the fumble that was a fumble um, in the Tuck Roll game. Like, that, that, like the personality side of Tom Brady has come out more in his later years. So I think he's he can, you know, kind of dial it back a little bit. But I am interested to see, like you said, I, I, I agree. There's the worry that it turns into a film session where he's talking and whoever whoever's the play by play guy with him has to kind of just let him go. And he's trying to explain a concept that maybe the average football fan doesn't get. And it, it kind of is off putting, you know, so I that's one of my concerns as well. But like I said, the fact that Fox already gave him the money or has already kind of solidified the deal, it's not necessarily about that part. People are going to tune into Fox. Well, let's face it. People are going to tune into football regardless. But when Tom Brady's name is on anything, I think people are interested. Um, so I, I, that I think is is the way that this is going. Marketing it with Tom Brady on the on the broadcast is almost can't miss advertising and, and can't miss production quality. Yep. Uh, so for you as a football fan, when you watch games, let's go ahead a couple of years, right? Whenever Brady's uh, in the mix, these are the number one team analysts: Romo, Brady, Collinsworth, Aikman, Kirk Herbstreit. Who do you like in that group? Uh, I for NFL, we're ta- I I can't even hear Kirk Herbstreit working in NFL right now, right? I, I can't. I, I don't know what that sounds like. I he his voice resonates as college to me, and that's where I hear him. And I so I can't really even because the college atmosphere is totally different to broadcast in, um, especially when he was doing it in, in college. But 
I, right now, I looking at that list, I got to say Tony Romo is my favorite. I, and maybe this has to do with who the pairings are, right? Like I, I, Joe Buck and Troy Aikman. I sometimes feel like just taking a nap during the game, and it may have more to do with Joe Buck and Troy Aikman. Um, but Tony Romo has been great to, to me. Like, And they, they've added things. They've used him in the broadcast over there at CBS. They've used a lot of new features. There's the I, I forget what it's called, but there's the Romo recap where he like – there's a diagram of the – walks you through it step by step. And there's all kind of stuff that they've done to play up the broadcast and use Tony Romo and his charisma on the air and his, like 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 Adam said, the likability that he brought to the broadcast. I don't think I don't think anybody thought it would be that good, but it has been really a joy to watch. So I'd say Tony Romo is my favorite right now. I'm surprised. Uh, I'll be surprised, though, you know, with the, with the new shakeups, the new kind of lineup with Mike Tirico and how great he is, how that works out for a full season uh, with NBC. Um, but we'll see. But right now, Tony Romo is my favorite of the analysts in the future. I think that's going to stand. I don't, I don't think Tom Brady is going to be as good at analysts as, as, as Tom Brady or as, excuse me, as Tony Romo has been. And then, hey, Tony Romo finally gets a win, right? Like he, he couldn't beat him on the football field, but he's, he's going to beat him in the broadcast booth. There you go. All right, Caleb. Great job, man. We'll talk to you. All right, guys. Appreciate it. Have a good one. There is Caleb Herring, former quarterback of the Rebels, part of the Rebels broadcast team and our uh, football insider on Wednesdays. On the way back, we'll get to uh, Fat Pack. Another one of these protests. Remember the lady who uh, glued herself to the court? At a Bucks game, someone used glue again. This time it was over milk in a protest. Cofield and Company will be back in minutes right here on ESPN Las Vegas. One owns a meat slicer, the other an air fryer. It's the Fat Pack on Cofield and Company. C'è la luna mezzo mare, mamma mia, mare So you don't like any of the guys I mentioned, uh, the number one announcers? Uh, Collinsworth guy. Okay. Yeah, no, I, should, don't, I don't mind Romo. Uh, we often ask this question, should TV programmers care what you think? No. Okay. No. I, I don't think they should care what I think either. No. They're not hiring these guys for us. No, you're trying to bring in people that wouldn't ordinarily watch a game. I mean, and they're, they're not hiring. They're not hiring these high dollar football announcers for ninety five percent of sports fans on Twitter. Yeah. If you're on Twitter and you follow sports, you're you're freaking hardcore. Yeah, you're going to watch no matter what. Like right. you, you're going to watch if there's no announcers. I and I would. So when you say like they all suck, like who cares what you think? Yeah, but, but it's also and, and frankly, they don't all suck. Now, as, as Caleb hinted at, um, like, I don't get the Troy Aikman thing, but clearly companies use some sort of data, and ESPN thought Troy Aikman is a guy who connects with the audience they want. So I'm not going to kill him on it. He's just he's not my cup of tea. But again, my, my opinion really doesn't matter, and it's not why you would justify paying someone 15 to $37 million a year as a color voice. No, I mean – and and it it's it sucks to say it also, but a guy that is going to engage a someone like me, I'll just I'll just, or like you or somebody who anybody out there who's listening to this who's like I watch football every week, I know this, and I, like a guy that's going to engage you is not going to be of interest to the vast majority of the audience. They're not going to care, and for the most part, you do kind of have to play the lowest common denominator of like you're trying to draw people in who wouldn't watch otherwise. If somebody says something very basic and simple and like, yeah, of course, everybody knows that. Yeah, you do because you watch games, you pay attention. 
but the announcers are not really for you. Did you see the 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 list that uh, there was a broadcaster money list that the Athletic put out? And I kind of thought it was you know it was a typical troll to just stir the pot. People see people making a lot of money and they're like you know mad yeah. about it. And you know according to Twitter, the reaction is everyone on the list sucks. Stephen A. making ten million, ten million a year, he sucks. Jim Rome making thirty million a year, which I think that is really interesting. But like all of them, they all suck. They, they can't all suck. They're not all getting overpaid. They can. There's a po- there's a possibility that money wasn't spent well, but it's not on all of them. But here, but what what I'll make my, get, my, get, is, my guess is I, that well, actually, when I I'll say with Jim Rome, I feel like he's not being pushed out enough by his employers sure on social media um i think he's still doing good radio and he's probably saying stuff it's just not how i consume radio like i have to i have to see videos and that's how i catch stuff I'm not, i can't listen all the time now on the flip side um i, I believe like St- whatever Stephen a makes six or eight or ten million i actually pro- i think he's probably worth double but there are a lot of people out there who are like he's terrible i don't watch well people are watching they are sure and, and but I, I mean I think the the problem that you ha- that people have is like it's not a meritocracy, and people do for the most part seem to want that or at least say that they want that. I will I will say right now, and I it's possible I can end up being wrong. I'm not going to be. There is almost zero chance, almost zero, mm-hmm. that Tom Brady is going to be the best broadcaster. Almost zero. Okay, I'm glad you didn't say what I thought you were going to say. What's that? That he's going to be worth that money. Yeah, that that's different. Because you did read you did read some of the details on this, right? How they're going to use him. Yeah, like they made it clear he's going to be a brand ambassador. And guess what? He's going to push. What do you? How do you think they're going to monetize Tom Brady? Gambling. Yeah. Fox bet. Sure. So there's probably a way. A couple of years from now, you'd be like, he's actually worth a hundred million dollars a year. Well, I, I, like whatever business he, he probably pushes, is, whatever schnooks he can get to go and bet, it's going to be worth tens of millions of dollars. Of course. And so, and that, and that like the average person isn't like there's a whole you know in in all of whatever radio and TV there's a whole deal here where it's not just what we're doing on the air there's other values you bring to the table yeah and and I I mean listen there's there's also arguments to be made about that because there's people that are getting paid in the gambling space that have no idea what gambling is or how to gamble yeah. or what yeah. what it's about or what they're telling people and like should that happen I, I guess because it's it's not how good you are at something in this in in the way that. Things are structured. It's not how good you are. It's how influential you could be or how many people will listen to you or how many people follow you or pay attention to you. And, like, if people tune in because he's on, even if he's not good, it's worth it. Like, the deal is worth it. So I I understand why people would be a little bit upset um, and why you'd be like, well, that's not fair. That guy is not as good as this guy. Well, that's not how it works. Like, it doesn't necessarily mean you're I better. Think, I think Brady on air will be every bit as good as Collins, Roth, and Romo, and I think they're both – they're the best. I think he'll be – first of all, I think he's going to be motivated to do it, which is a big thing with broadcasters. Once they start resting on their laurels and don't improve and won't listen to people, I think Brady will listen to people, and Brady's so competitive, he'll want to be freaking awesome at it. He's not going to be Joe Montana or George Seifert or <laughs> Joe, Joe Gibbs. Joe he's not. He's not because he won't let himself. And the other thing is, like, I, I, don't, I have to – I just saw this as a quick hit. I saw someone tweet out that Dan Levitard said they just paid $375 million to a guy who's never said anything interesting. If he said that, come on, man. Come on. Yeah. He, he has. And the other thing is, like, let's, let's realize the duplicity of Tom Brady's personality. Like, there is a Tom Brady we don't get to see. 
Sure. And it's why like rich, cool people like to hang out with them. Like, will, will we see it though? That's the great question. Right. Will he allow that? Like he doesn't give it to Jim, Jim Gray, but who would? My guess is no. <laughs> I, think he, is no. I think he gives a good amount of it to us. I, I don't, I just don't think he will. But by the way, no, I haven't seen anyone say this one. He has not, to, by the way, there's nothing to lose now. Not to bust. You're right. He's he is like he's freaking generationally wealthy. He's gonna be so freaking rich. But by the way, all all the stuff when he was talking about go back to his retirement, talked about his kids and wanting to spend more time with them. What what's going on here? That's never now I know I know the football season isn't year round, but what happened? He got two weeks of it. <laughs> And he was like, right. no, I do not want not to spend only, time with he's them. He's playing another year or two, and he's already lined up his next gig. <laughs> like, sorry, Giselle. I mean, I, you know, I got I, I to get out to the football game on Wednesdays. I'll be back on Monday night. It's Kids. It's, I mean. <laughs> Love it. You get, like, there are certain priorities we, in life. I mean, you, you, know, you got to reassess. A football job? Five days a week? Yeah, okay, cool. yeah. Good. I mean, I'm, we, I'm in. we said when he quit, like after a year, he'd be like, fuck, I got to get out of this. It was two weeks. For two weeks, he was at home and he's like, nope, not going to happen. I'm done with this. So awesome. So I'm, I know it's at least a year off. Um, I'll give credit where it's due. Like I say all the time, listen to Fox 1340 and 98.9 FM. Uh, Doug Gottlieb's show is good. They're funny. And Gottlieb threw something out the other day. If, if Brady is only playing this year, if the Bucks flame out in the playoffs, will Brady be on the Super Bowl broadcast? After Greg Olson is there as the number one, and Greg Olson's, you know, kind of sets his place as the number one at least for this year, and they're like, "Yeah, move over, Greg. Tom's coming." Well, I think he'd do, he'd probably do the pregame. You don't think they let him do the game? That would be. I think he's more more valuable to them in the pregame, probably. Like tune in early. Tom's yeah, here, of course, and Fox Bet, <laughs> and Fox Bet, yeah. That's what he'll do. I think it's great, man. I don't understand any sort of jealousy. I, I think it's a really ugly look when people are complaining about it. Don't don't be Boomer Esiason, you know, like he was with uh, Pat McAfee. That's a terrible look. <laughs> yeah, it's not really good. awful look. All right, uh, protest. James Cromwell. You may not know the name, but he's uh, he's been in a lot of stuff. I guess I should look up his IMDb. Uh, he's in Succession. Okay. He's the uh, the brother of the big boss who's kind of the Rupert Murdoch right um character he's the brother and he has been in a ton of things um I guess he's protesting this is a weird one Starbucks is charging more money or extra money for plant-based milk yeah like oat milk yeah and I guess he's mad about that so he glued himself to the counter of a Starbucks I respect it Somebody it's who, a gangster move. Somebody who pays the extra 50 cents for almond milk. I Do you think. really? You pay 50 so. cents? I think so. Boy. Yeah. Good for him. When does your budget get busted? When do you just say, I can't do this anymore? The extras in life. No, I just spend whatever I get. Is okay. the paper calls you out? doesn't matter. Like, they're like, hey, you got 14 more stories to do. You're like, okay, well, I need that almond milk. Whatever you need. Like, I have to go with regular milk. Oh, can't do it. You can't do it at all. Is are you ma- trying to make a statement? You're pro cow. No, it's just it's better. It's better. Better, better for, for you. It's better for you. It's better tasting. So, it's okay, and then you're very much into your digestive health. Oh yeah. Okay. I just picked up some nice one percent the other day. 
Ugh, the, first of all, the I, fat free, the fat free was going to expire too quickly, and I'm like, let, let me have some one percent. Can I I'll also do say whole. milk is milk in general disgusting? Oh, it's great, it's still Dis- great. It's a disgusting, still great. I know it's a violation. I know animal activists are going to hate me, but and this guy will tape himself or not tape himself. I guess glue himself to me to the studio. Just me. Just we'll just be stuck. I mean, listen. I, I don't. Well, it sounds like he he has some acting roles, but maybe not every day. He probably needs something he's, more to do. He's also 70. I think he's like 75 years old. He's had a long acting career, so he's got some free time. He's made some good money. <laughs> I mean, he's doing it for us then. Join the conversation on Twitter at Cofield and Co. It's Cofield and Company's eye on sports gambling. I'm going to kill your bookmaker. I'm going to rip his throat out. I will step on his throat until the man chokes. Let me tell you how. Winners, 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 winners. Free, 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 free. Rockford Files, all in the family. Mash, Maud. That's how long ago that guy who glued himself to the Starbucks counter started acting. He's actually 82. Rockford Files, my dad's favorite show. It was a great show. <laughs> Take it easy. It was okay. I, I think as I watched it, um, it, it may... It, May have been a goal to be Jim Rockford and live his life. Because somehow he had this, like, piece of crap trailer, I think, on a hill in Malibu. Like, how was he even allowed to stay there? What was this? What were the 70s like in Malibu? It was a squad. You do it now. You're not parking a trailer in freaking Malibu. Maybe. There's there's some, some open lands there. Yeah, are there? Sure. Up on that hill by Pepperdine? I don't think there's any open land. What are you talking about? Some land. This is the most exclusive area ever. ER in the 80s. Six feet under into the 2000s. Remember that show on HBO? Sure. 24, the TV series. American Horror Story recently. Boardwalk Empire. Halt and Catch Fire. And now he's in succession. And uh, he's also protesting at 82 years old. And he's six foot seven. I was going to start a list of most successful actors over six five but i i just i don't have the time and the knowledge so maybe another day you just gotta on on an actor that no one really knows until they see him but he's he's very recognizable if you see one james cromwell just gonna do a a cross-reference between imdb and wiki do you think there's like a height listing for actors no you got a cross-reference you got to go find like whoever the the most successful actors are list them from one to one million (laughs) look up all their heights on wiki i think there's a way to do it Raiders lines are out at Station Casinos. Just food for thought. You know, maybe someone, uh, maybe, you know, maybe someone in, at Lotus or someone in the audience wants to put together best uh, big actor, most successful big actor list. And I'm not talking like The Rock. I'm not talking like six one, you know, three hundred five muscle, tall actor, tall. Because at some point, you know, you you just don't fit. Well, the guy that plays Kareem, he was good. It's great. You know, who he is right. Uh. We talked about it, but he's I've already Solomon Hughes, who played at Cali, six eleven. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And he's a good actor. Yeah, but he's actually, I think, he's a doctor. Also, at least I'll just take that from Rick Fox and the the quick podcast they do. Uh, you know, don't get me off on also time. one of the success- you know, most I, successful if, actors over six five. If, if you want, he. I mean, I guess if you made a list of like actors over six ten, there can't be that many. Yeah, a couple of seven footers here and there. 
not many. Andre the Giant. Uh, Raiders lines are out all 17 games at Station Casinos. As it turns out, uh, they're favorites in only six, underdogs in 10, pick against the Patriots. I saw the uh, morning yahoos, uh, led by Bischoff, had their uh, question of the day. I think it was yesterday. Does being favorites in six mean they're going to win six games? Because that was their question. No. Will well, the Raiders could. only win six games this season? Is that is that what you wean from when you look at a season spread total of all the games? Well, I think that's what you wean when you're trying to make a poll question. <laughs> okay. When you're trying to troll? Sure. Or do you think that's the understanding of gambling on that show? Uh, no, I don't think that. <laughs>